seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride an illegal trail. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Afaka is a Chinese Italian. Here's the snowboarders together on a run. You're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you run around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know? Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is June 10th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 12. And by the way, thanks for listening. Help spread the word. Leave Mind the Track a rating and review, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Got feedback or a core lord we should chat with? Drop us a line at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail.com, at mindthetrack on Instagram, or go to our website at mindthetrack.com. Here with me today, as always, is the professor of POW. I always jam that up. POW. That's why the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency and the United Shredders of Snow, the one and only POWBOT. Howdy doody, buddy. What's happening, POWBOT? What's happening over there from the side of the Dirt Intelligence Agency? The LOMBOT. I'm getting some all-time loam in Tahoe right now with these Colorado-like everyday afternoon thunderstorms. It's been just unbelievably the best spring ever. It keeps going. It keeps going through my brain that we went from the best winter ever into the best spring totally ever yeah for mountain biking it's been amazing man yesterday i just the backyard right now i keep saying verdi but it's like it's true it's just like it's all melted out down there and it's just dirt like the dirt is it's green there's flowers there's good there's good loam it's hanging on it's june 10th and it's hanging on and it's been cool i I will say too that i i love this kind of weather for tahoe because we don't we normally don't get this it's bluebird and sunny yeah every day for months yeah it's nice to sort of feel like a little weather yeah i know thunderstorms rain hail yeah all the things today it's supposed to storm hard we're supposed to get heavy thunderstorms today so we'll see if that comes to fruition but um bring it we're here in south lake tahoe uh today and we're recording at the Gear Lab International Headquarters. This place is cool. It's super cool. Um, for those not familiar with Gear Lab, it's uh, they conduct they conduct the world's best outdoor gear products, and they've served over. I'm looking at their screen on the wall. 165 million readers served. So if you're looking to buy, you know, um, a new product or something, and you want to get a, I kind of compare it to like. Uh, consumer reports of outdoor gear but like way cooler than consumer reports you know and i think that it's totally unbiased they it's 100 percent unbiased because they don't they don't take free stuff from don't. brands they buy the they stuff buy it. they buy it they review it their their headquarters here um in south lake they have all these different little laboratories where they test all their stuff um, and so they've got this thing kind of down to a science, literally and figuratively. It's pretty cool. Like, and it's just not outdoor gear, too. They, they, 
they're testing everything here. And I think in this yeah, facility, they're doing like baby, well, they're, baby carriers. Yeah. They're getting toasters. into like kitchen appliances and to air fryers and, and then like baby uh, like things. I, I wonder I, if they tested our podcast recording device we bought I, off Amazon. <laughs> I, I don't, they have like a little sound lab in the back with like, you know, like rubberized walls and stuff for like sound deadening. Um, but we're in one of their little conference rooms, which is pretty rad. Uh, is it, do you know who this is on the, is this, that's not Royal. Is that Royal Robbins? I think that's Royal Robbins. So this is full wall, uh, black and white image of Royal Robbins, probably on Yosemite or something. I don't know. Chris McNamara, who's a good friend of ours, legendary, um, rock climber and, uh, you know, wingsuit based jump in innovator. Um, he's, uh, one of the co-founders of gear lab and, um, and so a lot of the, uh, motif of the gear lab headquarters here, um, involves uh, as climbing roots, legendary climbers. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris is going to be on a future episode. Um, I think what, what I'm gearing up with for us, with Chris is he's been innovating this, uh, you know, helping support and innovating not only the lake trail, a, a single track, a legal single track that'll go all the way around Lake Tahoe, but uh, also the Orogenesis, which is the longest mountain bike trail in the world that'll go from Canada to Mexico. And um, he's been doing Whoa. a lot of, yeah, he's been doing a lot of research on scouting routes from like through Tahoe and down towards Mammoth. So we're going to follow him on one of his scouting missions coming up here. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go camp with him out in the woods in the Sun Raider and, and then interview him like after a day of exploration. So that'll be a cool episode. I'm looking forward I'm to looking that. I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. But today's episode is about fire yeah. um, and a story that um, we, we came across uh, recently uh, in, in the wake of the Caldor fire, which almost burned South Lake to the ground. Um, the, the guest we have today who we just got done interviewing, his name's Todd Woodward and he's a hotshot firefighter, uh, who lives here in Myers in South Lake area. Um, uh, you can find him on social. He, he is at the fire nomad, all one word, the fire nomad. And, uh, he, his story is like really fascinating. And I think, the one thing we want to call out uh, that you know we didn't in the interview is that what Todd talks about are solely his opinions and not of his employer. He doesn't specifically call out his employer. I think it's probably for for specific reasons, but he wanted to make clear that you know this all the stuff this, we talked this about. This story was his story, his story and his opinions. Yeah. Um. And also, you know, that for a long time, wildland firefighters have been these quiet professionals, as he called them. And, um, you know, part of the culture of, of being a wildland firefighter is just staying quiet and not really talking about the work they do or, mm -hmm. or the kind of the struggles and, and the kind of stuff that they face. Yeah. He's With, mentioned there was a bit of a stigma about speaking out or totally sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he feels like, you know, that's maybe been being quiet has been kind of a detriment in a way, um, yeah. as being, being classified as a firefighter and, and people are starting to, you know, to talk. And, and so today, you know, we had a, a, gr a great opportunity to speak with Todd. Um, and Tom, you, you came across him. I, I think we talked about it in the interview, but real quick, 
um, I the heard, image was what really stood out to us. It was the story in the image. So I, I heard the story while, while ski touring from, from a friend who's a fellow fire, firefighter. And I think that he was the person who took some of the images that we'll share mm-hmm. of Todd. And he was a firefighter. Uh, Chris Boyerman is a firefighter in Carson City and, and ended up on, on, the, on Calder Fire. And I think when he kind of came on scene, Todd was already pretty deep into what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And he shared with me the story of how he ripped around. Uh, ripped around. <laughs> that's that's the sound of him ripping around on a little mini dirt bike and just sort of took control of what was took control of the of the fire in my you know the, of the fire efforts in Myers. Yeah. And it sounds like I, I wasn't really sure totally on the whole story, but I I heard it from the skin line that he ripped around on a dirt bike, and it's you know he shared with us that he basically just sort of laid out the dozer lines and really helped sort of put the line around a, a portion of his neighborhood and, and a part, a good portion of Myers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I heard that on the skin track and I saw the photo and, and, and you and I had just sort of gotten this project off the ground right away. Yeah. And I was, I immediately was like, we got to have this guy on the show and have a conversation. Yeah. It's such a neat story. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. And just the, I think the initiative, right. And, and the fact that this fire was burning, right into his front yard, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Um, he, everyone in town had evacuated and he stayed behind and was injured um, after a mountain bike wreck. He was like with broken ribs and sternum and all this stuff. And he's some, and he was still like just ate a bottle of Advil and jumped in. Yeah. I mean, these wild, these hotshot firefighters are just so it's another tough. breed. They're another level of toughness. I mean, it's insane, man, how tough they are and what they can do. Um, so yeah, anything you else want to, anything else you want to add before we dive into this interview? Well, I, th- I think that, that I, th- I think we're just going to jump right into this. You know, usually we, we, we sort of get into sort of what's been happening, but we're going to put that, we're going to put that one off a little bit, I think, and just sort of circle back to it. But I, I will say that we, we do need to bring to the table the news that came out of Palisades recently. And just touch on that and say that there have been some changes. I like how this music is. You're <laughs> it's it's what's it's happening. Talking about Palisades. Yeah. So it's, it's it, the, the Palisades conversation will happen on another episode. And I also think the what you and I have been up to uh, is another episode this week that we're going to bang out. I've got a super busy two weeks lined up at work. I've got my head down. I'm working six days a week. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going to end up, you know, coming back to some other stories. And I think that we need to circle back to the Palisade story and, uh, and, and, and that, that'll happen. But this, this episode's this episode's all about fire and it's all about, I think education too, for our listeners to, to get the word out about fire. And that's why I'm really happy Todd came on and to get the sort of dialogues, I think anything we can do to get the dialogue started about fire, fire management, prescribed burning, yeah, the acceptance of fire in our lives. Yeah, uh, it's something that needs to be talked about in California, and I think that we're just sort of at the beginning of that conversation. It's a new fifth season. You know, there's there's winter, spring, summer, smoke, fall. I mean, it's just going to be kind of the way it is moving forward. And, and yep. like we talk about in the interview, smoke is not a new thing. The, the pioneers and natives had dealt with smoke for months at a time in the summer, and it's just 
a part of the natural landscape and it's we've been suppressing it for so long that we're overdue we we don't talk about it on the on with todd but he did bring it up after we spoke with him but there's a big difference between the catastrophic fire and prescribed fire oh yeah that was that sort of rung true with me that dealing with a little bit of smoke from some some prescribed burning like yeah maybe i don't ride my mountain bike on monday morning but i'm not riding my mountain bike for three weeks straight yeah right yeah. It's, it's, that's kind of, I would way rather have that in my life than having what we experienced in 2020, 2019, 20, 21. 20 was, I re, I kept a journal during that period when all that, the, all the lightning fires had happened all across the state. And there were those images, of San Francisco was like end times yeah, looking stuff. It looked stuff. like the end of days. And it was just, it was in, and, and, and it was COVID was raging and it was, and it just felt like end times, man. It was just chaos in the streets, you know, yeah. all the riots with like the racial stuff that was going on. And then the wildfires in California, it was just a crazy time looking back on that. Um, but anyhow, let's not dwell on yeah, all not, that negativity. We, we'll, <laughs> we have gonna, a good, we have a good story to share. We have a great story. So I hope you guys and gals enjoy this interview with Todd Woodward and, uh, we're going to dive right into it. We're going to talk about fire today. That's what's happening. Yeah. The East Coast, well, actually Canada's on fire. Yeah. And the East Coast is having some conditions that we all sort of experienced pretty prevalently for two years plus in a row here in Tahoe and in Northern California. We were in a, in a fire haze for years here. So I, I think that the, what we're seeing on the national news sort of, you know, it got me thinking about having a fire episode yeah, and talking about that because we, we love to spend time outdoors and recreate outdoors. And there was some time here in Tahoe a few years ago where we were not recreating outside. We were sheltering in place and we didn't get to go outside and do the things that we love to do. And fire's a, a natural part of our environment. And I think that it's something that people don't know a lot about. And there's a lot of sticking our head in the sand and sort of not knowing sort of how to manage this and how to move forward with all the issues that we're having with fire on the West and now even on the East coast. So with that said, we're, we're going to sort of dive in and and tell some stories from the, from the fires that we had here in Tahoe just recently in 2021. It was the uh, summer of 21, just two, just now two, three summer. It'll be three summers ago now Yeah, uh, that the Dixie fire broke out. Uh, north of Tahoe and the Dixie fire started, uh, looks like it started on July 13th Yep, and just sort of took off and got out of control. And it was burning multiple, multiple counties, multiple areas early. The Dixie it burned, fire burned more than 60% of Plumas County. Yeah. Plumas County took and it. Lassen. Plumas, Lassen, Butte, yeah. Shasta and t- what this other one I wasn't familiar with Tahama t- t- Tahama yeah. Tahama County yep those they were all affected by the Dixie fire when the, as that thing burned it and it burned all the way from July 13th until mid-october yeah when some of these fires did get put out it burned in a huge circle it basically went like in a huge circle to the north and then out to the east and then south and then back and so the town of Quincy was under threat of fire two separate times about a month apart by the same fire yeah it was wild and you can people can go up there and ride right through it yeah yeah it's all on mount huff it's all mount it huff, huff. Yep. all huff burned and it's it and it, it, it's funny how some of that trail rides better i think we talked about it already but absolutely it, i do it's, yeah. it, and i think that's sort of in a big picture too that's 
people need to realize that fire is good for the environment. Yeah. And we did not know that until 1988. And I'll preface that one too, because the 1988 Yellowstone fire was the fire that a lot of people here in North America started learning lessons about fire. And it was really the first big mega fire that we had. It was, there was a bit of a drought happening and it was a complex fire. Multiple fires sort of merged and the, in the complete yellow Yellowstone ecosystem just took a hit. And, but coming out of that fire, because it's such a beloved spot and it's a national park, a lot was learned from that fire. And one thing that they learned was that it's good for the environment. Uh, there were species that flourished. There were, there were, there were plants in the forest were better off. There was a lot that was learned because it was studied. And, and with that said, you know, these, that, the, the fire that, that burned up, uh, in Quincy was, it, it's been good for the environment. It's been good for mountain biking, but it is damaging as well. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily good. So I think one of the key things to, to note with the Dixie in particular is that, um, there were a lot of areas that did burn a, what they call a healthy burn, sure. but there were also, you know, I would say, you know, a fair bit of the zone, um, was total devastation where nothing yeah. really it, like burned the soil to the point where it's kind of like devastated and the, the yeah, vegetation won't come back very easily. But, you know, on fire maps, when they show a place that an, a zone that burns or was affected by fire on the surface, it seems like it's all been burned. But when you actually go out into the landscape and you look around, you realize they're just saying that this entire area was affected by fire, but they don't specify how affected. So sure. it looks a lot worse on a map than it does when you're actually on the ground. Cause we spent a lot of time, uh, Yuri Hoswald and I, we did this big gravel bike ride, um, 200 mile loop from Susanville out to Indian Valley and Greenville and Butte and Chester and all the way back five weeks before the Dixie broke out. And so we got all this video footage and we got all this photography. And then, um, a year later we went back and wrote it and again it. and to, and to see the before and after. And it was eye opening because like I said, there were some zones that were totally devastated, like around Taylor Lake above yep. Antelope Lake, totally torched. And then other areas were actually in like, almost, almost couldn't tell that it burned. Sure. So yeah, there's a lot of variability, but like back to what you said, some fire is good. Some fire is devastating. Well, it's, it's, it's natural. Yeah. Well, kind of, kind of when it's not kind under of. control. So, you know, I, I think that getting into the next bit of the story, which we want to bring our guest in is that as the Dixie fire was burning out of control, we had also had multiple other fires happening in California and another fire broke out that directly impacted Tahoe. And that was the Calder fire. And the Calder fire broke out August 14th, which is about a month after the Dixie fire started. And it, it started burning down the, the, the 50 corridor down by Grizzly Flats. And, and it immediately sort of got out of control and burned a fair bit of the town of, of Grizzly Flats. And there were a bunch of structures were lost right away, right out the gate. And then that fire got out of control and just ran up that canyon. And I really hadn't seen it until this spring, until we went down and rode in Sly Park. Uh, that was the first time that I had actually driven down the 50 corridor and gotten eyes on the, on the devastation and gotten eyes on what happened at Sierra Tahoe. You know, obviously we saw pictures and saw all the footage, but I didn't see it until this spring. Uh, and so that fire was primarily, primarily in the highway 50 corridor and around Grizzly flats. And it went up the Canyon and it eventually jumped the crest. 
And that was the second fire in the, in, in the history of California that did jump the crest. The Dixie fire had done it, I think about a week or two prior. Right. And then the, the Calder fire jumped the crest on August 30th and it was creeping into, into South Lake Tahoe and Myers. And from my own personal perspective, I remember that's when things just got wild because I lived in incline and all of a sudden we had 20,000 people evacuating out of South Lake driving through my hometown. And my wife and I were looking at each other being like, what do we do? Do we pack up? But like, is this thing coming towards us? And it was very real for a lot of people in Tahoe at that moment, especially for the people in Myers and South Lake. So I'll, I'll preface that, 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 that that's where the story's going. It was the Calder fire. And there was a gentleman down in South Lake and in Myers that jumped to action. And it, it, it's just a neat story that the story came to me originally while I was ski touring this winter. And someone had mentioned that this had happened and had told me that there was a gentleman down in South Lake uh, that is just a hero. And he jumped into action and ripped around the Calder fire in Myers on a little mini bike and saved the town of Myers. And when I had heard that story, I was like, we got to have this guy on the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it, it just piqued my interest. And so I reached out to Todd and, uh, here he is sitting with us here and we're lucky to have Todd Woodward from, from Myers, California here to, to be on mind the track, buddy. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Good to have you. Yeah, Todd, welcome to the show. This this is a story that um, when I heard about it, I think Todd, or, uh, Tom had sent me a, 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 fo a photograph which ended up getting paint, painted into a mural, I guess, or some kind of painting of you riding. Were you, it was like an 80cc pit bike, or what was it? Uh, KLX 110. Yeah. Oh, KLX 110. Okay, <laughs> I, small enough. I have it here in my notes. That it was, I, I could tell that it was a KLX 110, and I'm guessing it's about a, like a 2012. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Wow. Nice, Tom. I didn't think he rode dirt bikes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Every now and again. <laughs> yeah. So who, who, so who has that painting? I have that painting. You have the painting. Yeah. Um, Sarah Loman or me and Adam Lehman's mutual friend had it like painted for me. Okay. Very cool. Todd, tell us, um, so you live in Myers or South Lake or yeah uh, right on the right on the verge right on the border high, high meadows area high meadows okay and you're tell us your your i guess your job title or job role who you work for and, and what your kind of responsibilities are yeah so um job title i'm a forestry technician is what i'm classified as currently i work for a very large land management agency for the federal government mm -hmm. and then i've um 20 years of fire in and i'm 12th 12th year um, fighting fire on a hotshot crew. Okay, so you've been hotshot firefighter for more than a decade. Yep. Those, man, that's physically just pretty demanding, I would imagine. Very, yeah. Sleep standing up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. Is like, you, if you want to be a hotshot firefighter, learn to sleep standing up. <laughs> and, and how did you originally get into firefighting, Todd? Um, kind of a class at the community college here at Lake Tahoe Community College and then started um, on the OC crew that's sponsored out of the Forest Service here. Yeah. So you, you had mentioned earlier you grew up in the Bay Area. Yep. You moved up to Tahoe in 05. Yep. And you just immediately got into fire? Yep. 2006. Yep. What drew you to firefighting? Um, just love being outdoors and wanted to do something outside and yeah. um just kind of hopped into it and fell in love yeah 
And in the wintertime, you were a ski patroller for a while as, yep. as well, yeah? Yep. I worked at, uh, started at Sierra and then went to Heavenly and okay. um, did seven years of ski patrolling. Mm -hmm. Yep. You got to throw bombs? Yep. A Fun. little bit. Yep. That's a good experience. Oh, yeah. So you, you ride bike, you ride mountain bikes? Yep. You skier? I'd, yep. Own a whole bunch of mountain bikes, dirt bikes, and then backcountry ski and skiing resorts quite a bit. Awesome. Right on. So you're right, you're right up the alley of, of what we mind the tracks all about, right? Skin tracks, single tracks, um, and, you know, being out in the landscape yep. and it sounds like you spend more time than probably anyone out in the landscape. Yeah. Especially with work. I'm outside all the time. Yeah. So let's, let's sort of get into the context of this story then. So the, the fire was creeping into your own neighborhood. Yep. And you were not working. You were on injury reserve from, yep. what, from what I had heard. Like yeah. What, what, what happened there? Why, why were you not working? Um, I'll start the story like even before that. So, sure. yeah. um, like that year I'd already been to Arizona, already been to New Mexico, Oregon, Washington, multiple times, Montana. And then, um, was fighting fire in Oregon, um, like with, bunch of cowboys and like blue jeans and t-shirts and bulldozers and just like getting after it in the middle of nowhere nice um where were where those boys sort of doing what you eventually did which is sort of defending their own their own property and their own livelihoods and exactly yeah yeah okay just locals just trying to get stuff done and you probably took a little inspiration from them from yeah them for then. sure and that was just that had happened just earlier that summer yep interesting okay yep. um yeah, I like lost my phone. Like the dozer ran over my phone, pushed it into the fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like this whole slew slew of events that like all stacked together. Like broke up with my girlfriend at the time. Um, I went to Mount Bachelor and I was mountain biking there. And um, just later in the afternoon, like my my cookie to beer ratio got off. I ran out okay. of cookies. Yeah. And, um, is that your diet on the trail? Yeah. <laughs> what kind I will, of say, I will say Todd's got a good diet because he brought us smoked bacon this morning. That oh I yeah. Very much enjoyed. Oh yeah. What, what kind of cookies do you normally eat? What are we talking? Uh, Girl Scout cookies at the time. Oh, yep. nice. Um, which flavor? What's uh, your favorite one? The peanut butter ones. Oh, those are oh, good. Those yeah. Are I like those. Yep. The mint ones and the peanut butter ones, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so you were shredding at bachelor. Yep. So then, um, I got a little eager past some little groms and overshot a jump landed on my head. I broke seven ribs around my sternum and partially collapsed both my lungs. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, one of those. Yeah. And then, um, I <laughs> stupid on my end, but, um, I'd like walked out and like, there's an ambulance there waiting for me. And I had them like check my lung sounds and they said my lung sounds were clear. So I didn't think I had like lung issues. So I'd like, I've had broken ribs before. So I just had my buddy drive me to the hospital and it would have been a lot nicer to get pain meds. Right and, out the gate. Yeah. And get carted into the hospital properly instead of waiting in line in the ER. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that was my injury story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This well, is, we tread bikes. Yeah. That's a that's a good that's a good yeah. story. It's a good now, way to go about, down. How far before the Caldor was this? Um, I would get screwed up on the dates, but probably like four weeks. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you were injured. 
pretty yep. seriously. Yep. And, and then at, and off work. Yes, off work on sick leave. Um, couldn't go fight fire. And then the boss's boss stipulated that I redo the like pack test or little fitness test before I go back to fighting fire. Okay. So then um, just logistics where the crew was, this, that, and another, and when I was ready. Um, it just all worked out for me to like still be available to go to the Caldor. So when the, when the fire broke out, August 14th, you were, you were at home and no sort of I, recovering or not. So I went to a family friend's, uh, cabin and coffee Creek and then Trinity Alps wilderness to go hang out with my godson and family mm-hmm. up there and like rest and recuperate up there. Um, but just a couple days into being up there, the um, river fire ended up coming up and over the mountain. There, where you were. Yes, oh, there man. I was there. So then, like, whatever, like seven days, like post injury, I'm like running saw, trying to get the cabin all prepped for fire. Oh wow, wow! Because I could just tell, just like amount of resources how they're fighting the fire it just like it was not going to get put out before i made it to the cabin so then i did a couple weeks there of like add structure protection so like to the nth degree of like cutting and chipping and this and that and pumps and hose and sprinklers and watering every day and getting under the deck and like getting all the pine needles under the deck and like everything yeah. Um, How many weeks have off injury is this? What your accident? Like eight days. The one I probably started. <laughs> How were you even able to like move around and like Advil? <laughs> yeah. God, man. Heavy, heavy Advil, and then like yeah. Wow. Yeah, and just wake up and pain right, in the morning. Do you have side effects from that? From then push making that push through that time? Are are you still hurt in the ribs? Or no, uh, you're all right. Yeah. No. How old are you? I'm 37. Okay still relatively young so yep. you you save that save the save the family cabin so we can go back to that because that that like the fire came through there after the caldor fire so i went back uh-huh. up there after the caldor fire and it's okay. like a, yeah it'll make the story interesting it, wow so it, i have it in my notes here then that like when did you realize that you needed to jump in and do something in, in myers or, or i guess i guess how did you end up back down in myers then from after being up there um, so just like finished doing all the stuff I could do for the cabin, mm-hmm. um, without getting like ridiculous. Um, so left there, um, the lady in the family that owns that cabin is where I got the dirt bike from. Okay. So they gave me the dirt bike to give to my nephew that lives in Montana. Um, so you, you threw that in the back of the truck and brought yep. it, brought it down to Myers. Yep. It fits in the back underneath the camper shell. Because it's a mini bike, right? Yeah, it's small. Yeah, okay. it's small. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've already been, I have a friend in Slight Park that was threatened by the Caldor fire early. So I've been in contact with him. I told mm-hmm. him to evacuate before they even evacuated everyone in there. And um, So I've been like watching the fire detailedly because it's close. Okay. But still not quite sure it's going to come over the crest because it mm-hmm. hasn't really happened before. Um so wasn't quite sure yeah. it was going to come over the crest. And from your perspective as a firefighter, were you surprised by that? Because there's so much granite up on the Echo Summit that there's we a, have always sort of thought that desolation is a buffer and that 
those big areas of granite or a buffer and, and that fire proved us proved yeah. us wrong and different. Yeah. And red fir doesn't normally burn like that. So all the trees around Sierra like doesn't normally burn like that. Okay. So there's not like a great history of like major running crown fire through that. Through that type of terrain and, yeah. and that type of forest. Yeah. Hmm. So like that plus the granite, like knowing all the wet meadows in there, it's just like um like some people like said it was going to come into town like weeks and weeks previous and i'm like i don't know i don't okay yeah i was hesitant until it like was right there and so how how long had you been at home then before the fire jumped the crest and was there sort of tickling the top of your I your your hometown barely showed up in time okay. like the day it made the whatever like the multiple mile run through Sierra Tahoe was the day I was driving in. Wow. And, and were you already prepared at home? Like a lot of people in South Lake, I'll just sort of say that it seems like South Lake is, is so ahead of the game in, in the whole Tahoe basin and, and being prepared for what did come with that fire because they had experienced uh, the other fire that, that burned Tahoe Mountain. Yeah. And what, yep. what, what was that fire again? The Angora fire. Yeah, Angora. I think that the Angora fire really woke a lot of people up in your community. Yep. And it seems like a lot of people were sort of prepared already. Did, yep. Is that how you feel? Um, no. No? Okay. No. I, I, I for sure would wish people would do more. Okay. Were you in South Lake when the Angora happened? I was. Yeah. Very, very new. And like it was like the day I graduated from the Structure Fire Academy at the mm -hmm. community college. Mm -hmm. So I helped a teeny bit, but then a relief fire fire. Okay. Yeah. That was a wild one. I was, I, I was actually out riding South Lake. I think I was either riding South Lake or I was riding the bench section of the TRT when, when that broke out and we, we, we saw it break out live from the trail that, that afternoon oh, wow. and it just blew up. That one blew up too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of homes were lost in that one. Yeah. It was a bad fire. All right. Well, so boy, so you just basically rolled into town. Yeah. And then, like, how did you then proceed to jump on the mini bike and start <laughs> sort of zipping around this fire? Let's get into that. Um, yeah, so I went home and raked more of my pine needles. Like, I already did my defensible space and did lots of burning beforehand to the, um, not to the liking of my neighbors, doing a bunch of pile of burning in my house. Um, so I, I was fairly during, well during that, like right then when it was, no, 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 uh, like prior, like in the dead of the winter uh, years okay. prior. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, ran home, raked pine needles, ran the Walmart. Cause it was the only thing open at the night at the time, knowing that we're going to evacuate it and food was going to be issues. So I, mm -hmm. I didn't have any food. I like been fighting fire out of central Oregon. So like all my stuff's there, like my three pairs of fire boots, my, like all my firefighting gear, like all that stuff's in central Oregon okay. where I left. Um, so like go do that, grab food, come back, um, sleep a little bit, wake up Odark 30 to start like evacuating the house. I had a friend like drive up 80 and the long way around brought a trailer in and like threw my possessions in there, set up some sprinklers, and I hopped in with the construction job that I that I do in the winter, and they're cutting defensible space on all of the water utility companies, like pump stations. 
Okay. So they didn't they didn't have any defensible space around their like pump stations, which is kind of critical to keep the fire hydrants running. So um, that was first order business. First order business. Um, yeah. <laughs> Still remember in like a panic and like eight in the morning, like calling the insurance company and like upping my insurance. Like as I'm like, people are asking me like what to put in the trailer and <laughs> chaos like already. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so I, I helped a construction company all day. Um, they ran to Reno and got like, like 12 inch fire hose to connect the South upper Truckee, um, water system like the south um the river separates two water systems and if they lost one of their pump stations this was going to connect the two so they can keep water going okay so i was in myers like when the fire and like hopped across um hopped across town like jumped right over myers and then started running up um, yep. cowboy rock and stuff and you could like like right next to the river, right next to Highway 50, and you could like all the engines are running there, like running by, going to the spot fire, trying to catch it, and you can hear it just like cranking off, like over the road and river noise. And at that point, how how many firefighters were in Myers, and how many people were had descended on Myers at that point? Very few. When it when it had jumped the crest, yeah. Why? Like, like percentage um percentage of firefighters in the team like because the whole incident management team's based out of sacramento and then like all the fire running up highway 50 so they can't really drive up highway 50. they were having to end around yeah hmm. and then okay. like all the like there's plenty of structures in there along sierra tahoe that needed help um so there there was very little help um so they couldn't get ahead of it at all because they were no. constantly just trying to either keep up with it or mop up behind it. Exactly. And that's like the story of 2021. It was just like, there's just not enough firefighters. So you just like whack them all in every day. Yeah. Like the, the fire in Oregon, it's just like, go push dozer line. And then every evening come back and there's like spot fires across the line. Got to like chase the spot fires like late into the evening, like every single night. So was that a bit of the whack-a-mole that you were, that you did via that dirt bike? Then yeah. For like, so get in, like, so, so what, what happened after you saved those pump stations, I so, guess? Um, went home and uh, a couple of hours progressed and I'm like in the neighborhood by myself, like behind the evacuation zone and it's just like orange glow and you can like hear the crown fire oh, man. off in the distance. Wow. So what does that like, sound like? Like a freight train. Wow. Like a big roar. God. So, like... And had you experienced that before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, standard part of the job, but it's way more nerve-wracking when you're, like, standing at your house and you can hear and see that. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, in hindsight, there's a decent amount of separation, but, it, like, I wasn't going to, like, hop in the firefighting mode and four-wheel drive my big, long truck like up on the hills, go see where the fire is. Like I get stuck and burned. Okay. So, um, I just backed my truck into the driveway and like, wasn't going to go inside. And like, this is like late now. It's like, like 11 o'clock. And, um, 
Like, I didn't want to go inside and, like, lay down my bed and, like, take a nap because I was afraid I wasn't going to, like, wake up before the house caught on fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like... Were sitting. you pretty... Were you, like, feeling, like, pretty certain that the house was going to burn? Um, I just didn't know where the fire was and where it was coming. Yeah. So, like, I knew there's lots of fire back there, but I don't know, like, where the rest of it is, how, like, wide the flank is, like what exact angle it's coming at us was um, there anybody in your neighborhood left or were you the only person the there? only person wow um so like um sit in my truck like getting ready to like nap before i like fight fire and like obviously like the day before i was in northern california like doing stuff oh my gosh um so um like this Cal Fire guy brought in like five bulldozers at midnight and um, he had somewhat of a plan to go tie into the power lines and like push up um, to the corral that's like on the um, High Meadows Road. Mm -hmm. And um, like, it's funny is like go down the hill and I like, like game plan on how I'm going to fight fire and I like don't do it at Tahoe for whatever reason. So, like, I'm trying to think of, like, how we're going to push Dozer Line through that. And, um, like, I, kn I know all those rocks are there. Like, the dozer, it's going to be terrible on the dozers. I don't think that's a good route. Um, let me go figure out, like, where to go. Just start, like, tracking, like, go out there and start pushing line off the end of the power lines. Um, towards... and, is that, and is that where the railroad grade trail goes through? Like, kind of, um, isn't there a trail that runs through that? that yeah, zone? real close. So it's like where Powerline Road and the trail take off. Okay. Is where they started. Um, so then I like run in the house and I'm like looking for firefighting gear and I'm like get my like boots that like should be in the trash and like have a, like hole in them and like all sorts of stuff and like scrounge enough stuff together to go run around and still haven't even thought about the dirt bike yet. Um, and I'm, like, getting ready to, like, hop in the truck. And I'm, like, this, like, big, long truck. It's kind of terrible to go scout and fire line with. So um, I just pulled out the dirt bike and grabbed some mountain bike lights. I'd laying around and strapped some stuff together. and Ma Ma MacGyvered a little, a little mini fire mission mobile <laughs> yeah. vehicle? Yeah, for sure. Wow, okay. Um, and then, some water on your back, probably. Uh, yeah, drinking water and my yeah. firefighting gear and took off and ran up to the top of the neighborhood to go look at all that stuff. And like, um, I don't have any flagging and you like really need like a lot of flagging to like flag dozer lines, especially at night. Um, so I saw a cop car and like hindsight it was a terrible idea. And, um, like pulled up kind of like their blind corner and like headlamps on a little dirt bike. I'm like, you got any flagging? And they're like, no, what's flagging? And I'm like, do you have any, um, um, do you have any like, um, like caution tape? And he's like, no, but I got crime scene tape. So I got this like <laughs> giant roll from a cop, from a cop. And, and he's, and since you're in your firefighting gear, he just thinks that you're just on the fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so then I, I run around and kind of figure out a route that's like really hard at night with a headlamp trying to figure out like where are you going to go with dozer line and it mm -hmm. like needs to go in now and it like there's a lot of time pressure there 
Um, what was the name of the individual that was running the dozer line? Do you remember who that was? I don't. I could, yeah. But he eventually, you worked sort of with him then for a bit? Yeah. And kind of laid it out for him? Well, um, so I, I figured out the dozer line and then went back to him. And okay. like the dozers are like stuck in the riparian area. And then like help them like break a half inch winch cable trying to yank dozers out of the riparian. Oh my gosh. And um, so at one in the morning? Two in the morning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. With like orange grove. Yeah, I was going to say. Crown fire like closer because now we're like way deeper in the woods yeah feel way more comfortable because you like um with this whole operation but just like still nerve-wracking operation like having dozers stuck um yeah and then they kind of gave up on that mission and um so like i like went back to the house took a nap for a minute got back up in the morning and um Cal fired his 24s, so that guy took off in the morning with, like, no replacement because of, okay. like, the 50 being, sh like, all the stuff going on. Um, because the fire was still, it had it jumped over the crest yet at that point or not? Yeah, it way was, over it the was, crest, it was all the way in the, yeah. It had jumped Myers at this point too, yeah. right? Yeah. So it was, like, starting to burn up, like, towards toads and all yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, like, past toads and, like... Yeah right in my backyard now okay um so he he left at like left in the morning with and like i was the only one there with the dozers so i i just got like explained to, got the dozers together explained to them what like was going on and what i do like i'm injured and like hot shot i do this all the time i run dozers all the time this is like no big deal and one of the guys gave me a radio and we just like started like going down the power line road to the neighborhood like to my neighborhood and then just like push the power line corridor and like wow chase that day like chase the power line corridor like all the way to heavenly so he gave you the keys to a dozer no the uh, just a radio oh just a radio yeah okay. so i had i think seven dozers that morning and there's more just kept showing up so you were you were leading you were giving them the direction on where to go yeah Yep. Via, via the KLX. Yes. <laughs> and a radio. Okay. Yes. <laughs> a guy on a little dirt bike leading, were they D6s? Yeah, roughly, yeah. Yeah, big ass dozers. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, but, and at this point, where, what were they calling you? Were they just calling you Todd or were they calling you like yeah, the I, mini bike dude? I, or like barely talking on the radio because it's like still full chaos going on in Myers and then like everyone's on one radio channel so like I made a couple attempts to like get a hold of division and like get supervision and like the proper chain of command mm -hmm. and like zero communication with anyone it was all broken down yeah it's just like I'm far enough away that like people in Christmas Valley are like overwalking me and like I, I couldn't get through so eventually that day um a local like forest service engine captain came up to me and i'm like hey man this is my story this is what i got going on like um like everything and just like hey my boss wants me to pack test we were gonna fight fire and like he was like like good with the operation because i'm like the one person out in front of the fire with a plan like getting stuff going in front of the fire and not like behind it uh -huh. or on the side of it yeah because there's 
like lots and lots of other firefighting going on. Like all of Christmas Valley has to get line put around it. All the stuff like that whole edge of Myers, like all that stuff behind Lyra's, like all that stuff was getting done. Why like I'm back here with these other bulldozers, like going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just kept getting bulldozers. Like, like that was my like connection with the team and getting like supervision and, literally just pushed all the way to Sierra Tahoe that day along the power line corridors. Wow. Cause it was easy. It was quick. You, you mean you pushed to heavenly? Yep. Okay. You yep. pushed it. Yeah. Because that, that power line corridor eventually connects with ski run. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So to get something in, so like there's at least a fallback. Okay. Um, that evening, um, some like Redding smoke jumpers, met up and like they brought more dozers and they started going up high meadows road Mm -hmm. and um they worked all night doing that they like all sorts of crazy shifts trying to like catch up because they've been they were the ones that pushed dozer line like out of myers like behind the whole like like liras mandan apache like neighborhoods okay and pushed all that other stuff and then like kind of leapfrogged and then started going up. And for reference, let's, let's let some listeners know, like how important is dozer line in this situation? Is it, is it one of the key things that firefighters can do to sort of help contain and control an out of control fire and and save a neighborhood? For sure. Cause some people like question why we put dozer line everywhere. And Mm -hmm. it's like, um, like firefighters digging line only takes so many, like so many feet of flames. So we either need like, um, so bulldozer can take a lot more flames and they're like massively faster at it. Okay. So like you can dedicate a bunch of people to like dig line right next to the fire, or you can like send four bulldozers at it. The crew can then like burn little pockets, hold it and make sure it like stays put. So it's like a way more efficient use of your time when you're battling like big fires. Um, And then like we either need to be like right next to the fire or we need to be really far away. So like this whole operation um, was like. You guys were right next to it. We're close, but like not far enough away to be safe. So it's like kind of the worst position to be. Like if you're right next to it, you can go into the like black that's like that's already down that's already burned that's behind you and that's like cooled down and that's your safety area and then like where we're at like our safety area is like driving in the town just driving away so like like I, like technically i could have done this on foot without the dirt bike but then um like it's really hard like i ended up with 10, 10 dozers and three masticators at like the peak. Yeah. I was going to ask total how many, how many people were you sort of chewing around and saying, yeah. go, go here, do this. So it's follow the crime yeah. scene tape. Th- 13 pieces, heavy equipment. Wow. Oh my god! And then it's like, then there's like dual operators, there's dual chase truck drivers. There's dual like low boy drivers. So it's like, it's quite a, quite a like operation to be in charge of had you ever coordinated something like this before for sure so like running like a group of heavy equipment like isn't rare to me but um doing 13 by myself is like normally if i had 13 i'd have like two other people with me and 
a UTV and two work trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so way different doing it by myself with no work truck and then only using the dirt bike. And how much area are we talking that you're bouncing between the 13 different pieces of equipment? How spread out were these machines? So because of the fire and just how all the other fires were going that year, like you don't want to leave them very far. They can't hear the radio. Like they don't all have headsets. They can't hear the radio very well. So you need to be very close to them or be able to get back to them very quickly because of the fire, like switches direction and burns to them. Like, so like within a mile, yeah, if not less. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll go scout maybe a little bit farther, uh-huh. but then, like... Come right back. And tell them, like, I'm leaving and tell them I'm coming back. And it's like an organized operation because their they're situational awareness of the fire and those things is, like, really bad. And then they can't hear the radio. So, right. like... They're kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I literally got to, like, throw sticks and rocks at them to get a hold of them. At, at what point did you and some of the other people that you were working with realized how key this little mini bike was to this whole operation and what was happening? Was there an aha moment where people were like, oh, this is the guy on the dirt bikes, like getting it done. Or yeah. was that, or did they just all like sort of, they were in the moment and they sort of take it for granted? No. They, yeah. People definitely recognized like, cause it's, it's really hard to manage that much stuff and keep it safe. So like, oh, this is a great, a great way to do it. And it's like low enough to the ground that like I mount bike a ton. Like it's really unlikely that I'm going to crash this thing and get hurt. Right. And then it's like small and short enough um, that like I can literally lift it over logs. Right. Yeah. So like I figured that out when I like ran out the, um, the social trail underneath the power lines because I got the scout and like all this fire line in like 20 minutes which is like amazing. It was awesome. Um, so you're having a little bit of fun while you were working. <laughs> I love doing my job. like, like a crazy person. Like <laughs> I deal with like major lack of sleep, heat, exhaustion, terrible food, this, that, and another. And I keep doing it cause I love it. That, yeah. I mean, that, every f- hot shot I've ever talked to, that's, kind of the same it it takes a certain type of personality in person to be able to do that kind of work yeah for sure has your the people that you work with or your superiors or organizations sort of realized that the 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 sort of how good that little piece of equipment was and have they thought about implementing more people on little dirt bikes to no, I'll, that, I'll that probably, form. I might even get in trouble for saying all this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's awesome. Um, we use well, UTVs. Well, that's that's we, why we want to have you on the show, though. Yeah. <laughs> we use UTVs, like, all the time. Um, I've been, like, big fires, um, I guess, last year in New Mexico, and we had, like, four UTVs for the crew, and we just split up in the little attack squads. And, and burned around in those. Yeah, and I, I just ring-fired houses for days and days and days in New Mexico with one of those things. Okay. Now, during this period um, with the the Caldor, what were the winds doing? Because to me, I, I remember the night before the uh, the fire was about to 
burn over the crust over Echo Summit, everyone, it was just like this doomsday kind of like sensation and feeling because the wind report was gnarly. It was going to be gale force winds coming up the canyon to blow it straight into Christmas Valley. And everyone was like, man, it's not looking good. But then like magically the winds shifted or they didn't blow as hard as forecasted. And how did all that affect like your operation and, and the work you were doing? So that gets to the point of something I've wanted to say is like, we're so lucky we have South Lake because of that. Like we're supposed to have two days away and we had one. Yeah. And then like the winds like didn't happen as soon as they were supposed to. Like the way the fire blew up that morning was hanging on the crest. I thought I was going to be in town at like nine o'clock and be like epic chaos. And it, took to like four o'clock. So that gave us a lot more time. Um, changed the burn window. It generally like, um, yeah, we're like really lucky. We have South Lake. Cause like if, if we had two days of wind, if that wind was like stronger at the surface and not just at the crest and you like change the angle of that by like two degrees, we like burn most of the town down. Because it sort of, when it jumped Myers, it sort of went straight towards Monument Pass. Yes. Right? It yep. didn't It didn't go north at all. No. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It went like down here straight east. And then it eventually burned a little bit into the monument f- or the fire that had already burned a little bit this the pro- that same summer, right? The Tamarack. The Tamarack fire. Did it ever eventually bump, bump into Tamarack or not? No. Okay. No. There's a, yeah. The, that not. was far enough away. Yeah. All right. But Caldor was burning over by Kirkwood, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, fairly close. Like, flying around, it's really close. But Mm -hmm. walking, it's still five miles or something. Right. So those winds, um, that is really the thing that scares me the most with fire, is that we are at the mercy purely in any fire of which way the wind is going to blow and when it's going to blow and how hard it's going to blow. And there are times where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's really nothing you can do. And you just have to be at stand at the mercy of what the wind's going to do and try and mitigate the best way you can. Right. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Um, you can, you can like get towards the back of the fire and still do, still be doing things. You can get to the side Mm-hmm. off of like what like an anchor point something like that's not going to burn it's not going to move around you sneak behind you mm-hmm. um you, you need to get out of the way you yes know, you definitely you're... don't want to be in the front of the thing and that's where like where and you guys were in front of it though when we you were, were running in, all these yeah, machines for sure and the wind was ripping or not it no because like it was like the day before and then like that next day when I started, we were supposed to have wins and then we didn't. Okay. Okay. So you're now running, running point on 13 different machines. Uh, this is in the high meadow area. Yep. Okay. What time is this now? Five in the morning? Yeah. Daybreak, day daylight? Yeah. I'd sleep like four hours so I can like have a little bit of mental capacity to like organize all this stuff. This was, you slept when? Like, two in the morning till five in the morning and so then as soon as i can it's standing up (laughs) (laughs) or on on the klx so wait you but you had you were sleeping between two and five in the morning while the machines were doing their thing yep 
So you had given them direction and they just, I, I gave them direction. And, and, and like that point there was another Cal fire guy there okay. to like okay. hand the, the, the management, the machines over to, okay. And then woke up in the morning, a bunch of them were back. And then those Redding guys were coming out. So I grabbed like all their machines and some more that showed up and then kept pushing up high meadows. Okay. And that's like for sure going in, in front of the fire. Okay. So I like had three at the bottom and like three working from the top. And then I had like four working on the safety zone up at the top. Yeah. Um, so like you're going to go in front of the head of the fire. You should build like this. <laughs> that was a good one. He, I'll just he just punched that thing. <laughs> He's Todd. Todd's learning me like I had to. I, I talk with my hands too, Todd, and I I, I would do the same thing the first couple episodes so it's all good he's he's just excited he's boxing the mic he's boxing the mic and he's excited to get this story out so yeah don't yeah that was just that was just him uh talking with his hands yeah so we we, we put a big safety zone at the up in high meadows okay um so we can keep everyone like safe and the way i work them from like multiple directions is to keep them closer so they would work to the middle point kind of where we had the safety zone instead of like all starting at the bottom and then we're at like okay. we're in the wow. middle between the like the neighborhood and the and like the safety zone that i wanted to build um so there's like yeah it's an intricate oper operation trying to get everything balanced out and like be aggressive and fight fire but like actually go home too and in terms of fighting this fire how how successful were those efforts that those that you led and the dozers did and, and you know, in, in in the sense of like, did did it save structures? Did it did it help stop the fire? Did it slow the fire? Because I know the fire really didn't get put out until uh, till October. Yep. And sort of filtered out at, at some point naturally yep. up, up up in those upper basins. But the work that that was that, that was done there in that first twenty four hours, like how how critical was it for for saving that neighborhood? Well, if the winds continued, it would have been like absolutely imperative but okay. the winds died down like counter to the forecast so only like a little bit the dozing line i put in like actually got fire up against it okay um yeah but that does not mean it was like invalid or a waste of time yeah no it had to get done had to get done and like a little bit more wind and we would like burn that thing for sure and like keep fire out of heavenly keep fire out of nevada like some really big like if it kept going would have been like very big like pain yep. if it like got through monument pass or, and like in the nevada then we're looking at like the the second version of the tamarack like running down it could have ran all the way to the carson valley yep which it didn't yes wow okay at, at what point did you feel like we got a handle. We got the upper hand on this thing, and that it's like kind of either under a manageable state, or it's at least not going to continue to aggressively move eastbound. It took a couple more days from there. Really? So yeah. there was a few days where you guys were just banging hard, like trying to keep it from progressing. For sure. Um, and it's just like, like, oh, we got a minute to, to deal with it, but like what's the weather forecast in two days or three right. days or like, right. um, and the weather behaved with us and like, um, a bunch of local hotshot crews, um, did like 
Talak did like awesome work like all through Christmas Valley the local like hotshot crew teamed up with some other hotshot crews and like went direct right up the edge of the fire and like a big epic hose lay like like six miles of like filled working hose and probably like wow. another Whoa. 15 like strung out on the ground oh my gosh and that was over by angora no that's just like like a mile off the like off a high meadows road oh, high meadows. like going up the trimmer peak okay um so they the hotshot crews dug line all sorts of engines like Nevada strike teams, all sorts of like local forest service, the like local forest service trail crew was helping a ton and like pushed 3000 vertical feet of hose, like crazy, crazy pumping operation. So like I ended up like, like using one of the excavators and getting like pipe to build a culvert to like build the, a road that the engines can like drive right next to the edge of the fire. And like, cause you need like, a real pump right, right there gonna... to like to push that kind of elevation but right still like they put like multiple like big backpack like mark three pumps up like up a thousand feet keep pushing it up a thousand feet keep pushing it like and where were you where are they pulling water from, from um like all over the place like um like trout creek right there next to um um like right the big creek right next to the corral okay and then um like fire hydrants out of my neighborhood and all sorts of stuff and water was flowing decently still at that time of year in the creeks yeah 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 wow. so, like crazy crazy like orchestrated like operation because like we didn't we didn't have aircraft for this whole operation was that because of resource or because of weather? They were weather. It was, oh, it was too windy, or yeah. not? Excuse me. It was too smoky. It was right. too smoky. Right. That's kind of how I smoky. remember it. So that's like days later when it kind of like cleared out. Yeah. And you could see and like oh and like like now you could breathe, like like um, in the sense like town was going to burn down. Like we kind of like caught the flank. We're getting around the head of it. Um. Like the crews have been digging for a couple of days, the hose like way up there, and I'm like, like trying to poke closer and closer to get like better access so the crews can like get in and out safely and emergency like medical access and all sorts of stuff. So like, there's a bunch of like mining roads that go up towards Trimmer in there, and we're opening up all these old mining roads so they can UTV the medical gear up closer. So that in this whole time, South Lake was evac evacuated. Yep. What was that like? Did you did you end up in town at all? I at, barely went in you town. You were you were on the mountain the whole time. Yeah, and like my house is right there, so I was like sleeping in my house, eating food at my house. Like I go, um, I go in the like when the team got set up in town, I go in the town for like briefing in the morning. Okay. But like I, I just barely hit Pioneer Trail and. I didn't drive in the town. Like the dozer operators were like sleeping in the campgrounds in town and like all these like videos of like bears wandering around like the center of the street, like <laughs> yeah. ripping in the garages. And yeah, did they, did any bears get into your place? No, no. But like all sorts of other people had bear issues. 
Yeah, I remember. So you, you said you're you're going to briefings and stuff. So it, was there at a certain point where you all of a sudden like you're you're back on the clock now at this point or or yeah or so not? Did I, you? I worked with that local engine captain and got pack tested. You so did like what okay, my, so you my boss's bosses wanted and um like worked with the team of like hey man I've been doing this like and like like it helped like all the local resources are pretty excited. Like I was out like getting all sorts of stuff organized in front of the fire um, and just doing my Epic. normal thing. So, but, but in front of that, how, how many, how like for a full day or two, you were just covert operation. No, I don't want to like, <laughs> no, I, I don't want to say that, but yeah, I, I tried like as soon as possible to like, integrate myself properly mm -hmm. it just the like the magnitude of the fire and all the stuff going on and then it happened real quickly got it it like that first afternoon is when i talked to people and started like telling people in that evening it was like blatantly clear that like what was going on and okay the operation i had going so when this thing first um like took off and and you were at the house and then going out and trying to coordinate Nobody, there was never a point where someone was questioned your knowledge or your experience or your status or who you were. They just took direction. Yeah. And that's like every fire we go to, we work with strangers and we have to build like a team like immediately yeah. and like organize and be like as efficient as possible. So it's, it's not abnormal. To, that like, was nothing new. Yeah. To go to a fire and work with a whole bunch of new people. Like, yeah. It, um, we for sure run into the same people, but it's not like it's, yeah, it's not like I'm traveling with hundreds of people, the same people to every fire. It's mm. yeah. So you had come, you were driving to recap on this. You were coming back from Oregon. You were headed to Montana. No, um, you were bringing a dirt bike. Yeah. I was in Northern California at the cabin up there. Yeah, to go hang out with like family, right? And then like Caldor Fire is like then getting like obvious was coming in the town. So you wanted to get back home. Yeah, for okay. sure. And then like the whole time I'm talking to my supervisor and they're at a fire like way up in Washington, and it was like not what it didn't make sense for me to like go up to Washington, hop on a boat, hop on a helicopter to get into the fire to like work for four days and travel home with them. So right. I, yeah, that's why. I'd... So you were driving, were you driving Highway 50 uh, eastbound? I came up 88. This is the only thing open. Okay. And everybody else was going the opposite direction, I would imagine, or going out. I guess they were going to Carson. Yeah, and it was right before the evac. So Right before the evac. Yeah. Okay, so you got into Tahoe. So you got into South Lake as people were evacuating or right before people were right evacuating? Right before. Right before. And then you just stayed put. Yep. And then you formulated a plan as you as you like saw that the fire was imminent and it was coming you just started thinking about how you were going to structure a dozer line strategy it, it just all like organically happened it all organically happened and who's the first person you interacted with when this thing started going off the um well like the the cal fire guy that brought all those dozers in okay and okay. then yeah then the, like next Outside, outside of the dozers, the next official guy was just like the local Forest Service engine captain. Okay. And you had, and did you have radio communication and know that this Cal Fire guy was coming in or did, were you just rolling around on the KLX and 
found them bringing in these dozers. It literally drove in on my street. Wow. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. How that like organically just comes together. Yeah. And it's all like, cause the, um, we go back like, um, Psst. Hey you. Yeah. You across the garage. The guy who never uses me. I've been hanging in the rafters for years. My top sheet's buried in dust. My rails are rusty. I haven't seen wax since I was new. You're always grabbing that shiny new board next to me. I want a new owner, man. You're lame. Am I hallucinating? No. This is your old split board speaking. I'm sorry, you're right. But I hate selling stuff online. Nothing but scammers or thieves will come by to the house, case the joint, and rob me. Well, maybe if you got robbed, I'd get a new home. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Like, leaving the Caldor fire, so I, I, like, trying to, like, unevacuate when it's, like, still under evacuation order, because now I'm trying to, like, rejoin the crew. Yeah. So, like, to line up on days to, like, come in when they're finishing off their days off, um, I just needed to, like, put that trailer of stuff, like, back into my garage, and it was pretty entertaining, like, talking to the... (laughs) <laughs> talking to the cops trying to get through the red rock with all my stuff <laughs> trying to explain the whole operation it was, yeah what it was did pretty, you say what was that conversation um it's just like not happy about it the whole operation and i was just trying to explain like my whole story of like no i'm a firefighter i like need to get back to my crew and get yep. back to my normal operation yeah so i, I will preface that it, with a, a fire such as this like they tell you to evacuate evacuate but if, sure. you're, but if you're someone like Todd, which is he's one in a million, then you can probably stay and fight the fire. I'll just, yeah. I'll, I will get that one out there. So that's I, why I think this is such a neat story. Yeah. hundred percent evacuate. Like there's a little bit of nuance there. And like when I go back to the like cabin and coffee Creek, you'll like understand. Um, cause it, it just like, it can sit there and smolder and I can run. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd like unpacked my stuff that day I, I like I was gonna take like an ex like a day off to like organize my place and like get my life back together and, and at this point you feel like your home is safe for sure okay. and whatever 12 days of the like working on the Caldor fire it's been a while um like there's still plenty of like uncontained fire especially around Kirkwood so you rolled up your sleeves when you when this all happened and you worked on the fire for almost two weeks yeah wow yeah okay yeah, and like crazy hours to, to start it. How many weeks did you sleep for when this all died down? <laughs> or were you just on to the next fire? Literally just on to the next fire. <laughs> you didn't you didn't go to Vegas? No. No. So the the day wow. I was supposed to like unpack and like take a bunch of time, like the all the fires in Northern California and Southern Oregon like cranked off like a Oh right. 
a wind event, like oh, unstable God, atmosphere went through year. and um, like chaos on like every single fire in Northern California and Southern Oregon. And what that was, when was that like the beginning of September? E- yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was those wind of those East wind events, right? That were pushing was that the, those fires that burned like in uh, Ashland and Medford? That was 2020. Oh, okay. I have yeah. lost track. It, it, there's just so many. I, I struggled to keep. Like, literally, like, I was going through my notes. I, like, forgot I went to Montana this year. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it all blends together, and especially, like, on just, like, chaos years where it's just, like... Nonstop. Yeah, I forget fires we went to. I just, like... Yep. So do you feel do you feel that the Sierras are going to dodge a little bit of a bullet this year with the winter we had then? They are for sure. Okay. Um, High country, but what about yeah. lower country, like foothills just, and? Um, I look at it as like all percentages. It's just like yeah, it is like not going to be like twenty twenty one. It can't happen. Right. We, like we have so much more moisture, so much later, and like yeah cloudy outside it's gonna rain the day like yeah like it cannot get as dry as 21 right um can we have fires like yeah it can dry out we can have a whole ton of lightning and like have more fires and people but like the resource damage will be different so like a lot better like better fire effects more good fire Mm-hmm. Than like bad fire, like twenty twenty one. We can catch up with some, yeah. some, some prescribed burning. Yes, and take advantage of the situation we have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're doing we're we're doing a decent amount of prescribed fire, like all over the state. Like oh, the, it's crazy. Yeah. I've never seen more personnel in the woods than I have in the last year or two. It's yep. pretty. It's good to see. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this, Todd. With with the, all of your experience that you've had so far, then and and saving saving your hometown and fighting fire for all these years. So how do you see potentially your your organization that you work for like improving? Like like what what do they need to do to sort of get in front of the the sort of problem that we're faced with now, with with catching up with how bad our fires have been. So. My opinion is we had we had to do like massively more prescribed fire, and mm-hmm. not just my organization, like every single organization. So state, anybody, state, local, towns, private landowners, private landowners, yeah. everything. So that's like something I want to talk about is like, so there's all these prescribed burn associations, like El Dorado County is the El Dorado mm-hmm. County Prescribed Burn Association. Yuba has theirs. Like, um, they're all over the place, and it's like teaching landowners how to do prescribed fire in their land yep. safely and like understanding the nuances of fire of like fire in 2020 and 21 are like terrible in like june july august but like different understand the like the nuance of like this year is like way different and we should be putting like all yep. the fire on the ground that we can putting a ton of resources into that yep. i'll give a shout out maybe you might know his name but he he has a youtube channel called the lookout uh, and, yeah. and, and I started watching that last year or no, I think it was the year that this was all happening. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that I don't have his name written down yeah. here, but that's Zeke Lunder, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Zeke Lunder. Yeah. And, and I learned, I, I have a bit of an education in environmental science from school and everything, but I did from watching his blogs and watching a lot of the work that he had done on YouTube, I learned yeah. a lot about prescribed yeah. burning from him. And I know that he's a big advocate of it. Yeah. He's a yeah. master of it. He's yeah. very good at communicating like why we fight fire and like how, and it's like, 
like really awesome. So like the mosquito fire last year, they're like, why aren't they putting the fire out faster? And then he shows like an elevation graph yeah. of all the canyons of like the north end of the that fire. That was gnarly terrain where that was. Yeah. Burning. So like then you understand like. Yeah, like, I got to hike in there with a 50-pound 50, 50 pack and, like, a bunch of chainsaws and tools, and I got to dig, cut and dig fire line in and out of every single canyon. So, like, even though it, like, rained and it, like, kind of yeah. caught itself, like, we still got to go walk into the bottom of every single one of those canyons, and it is, like, stupid steep and, like, really hard and challenging. Yeah. And yeah. that's, like that's like a classic problem for all of our Sierra Nevada fires is like the majority of our big fires all start in big, steep, crappy river canyons. So it's like, um, on, on the West side of the, on the West side of the crest. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like the, so like the heel, the little two chicken legs of the Caldor fire. Mm-hmm. Like, so those are two like big river canyons. And, like, to complete, like, one of those, you have to have, like, line completed to the river. You need a hose all the way down to the river. You need to have, like, aircraft up and this, like, very organized, like, like two hotshot crews on either side doing this very organized burnout operation. And they meet at the bottom of the river at the exact same time. Wow. When there's, like, even on the river, it's, like, constantly terrible winds. It's, like... Up river, down river, up river, down river. So like, right. You have to organize that every single time. So it gets like, they have two of those on the Caldor fire, and like that's another reason. Why like, that's that's a lot of resources and manpower to stop the bottom of it, to like, to keep like Placerville safe. Yeah. Um. So like, every one of these things is like this massive operation. All this organization. It's manpower. Yeah. So. With that said, you've, it seems like the Forest Service and and the Department of Interior needs to just throw, they need to throw a whole bunch more money into this situation and start hiring a lot more of you. They are. They're yeah. throwing like, huge money into this we need, an, we need an, like They need an army of Todd Woodwards <laughs> to start zipping around and working on fires. Yeah. And this will like lead in the more points I have. Just like yeah, but. Th- they have thrown more money at it. It's like all fuels based. But then like hiring is a like... It's a big problem. Like, I've been doing this for 20 years. I make 20 bucks an hour. I can go, like, work in and out burger and make more money. Yeah. Like, I do this because I love it. Like, wow. Okay. I could quit today, work construction tomorrow, and get, like, a 10 to $40 pay raise, depending, like, what piece of machinery I'm running. Right. Um, but there, but the, I think, is it true that, like, a lot of um, fire, hot shots, they make their money in their hazard pay? Has you paid over time for sure. Yeah. Like this year, even with being injured for four weeks, not getting paid, like just on sick leave, like I still worked 1300 hours overtime. Wow. I do like multiple 1500 hour years. So it's like 14 days on travel, three days off, two days off, like, or, um, 14 out. It used to be 14 and two and now it's 14 and three. So it's like 14 days in Arizona, two, like two days off, 14 days in New Mexico, two days off, 14 days in Oregon and Washington, two days off, 14 days in Montana, two days off, like back to Oregon and Washington, Caldor, like, and this is like, and this is because they just don't have enough hot shots. They um, don't have enough staff to 
they have to on, move these people all over the place because there just aren't enough local resources to take care of things. Yeah, and it's just these big years. There's just not enough stuff, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know if they like, can't they can't slow it down. Yeah, and like if you for those kind of years, if you like double the workforce, I don't know if it like like it'll help, but it's not going to be like the solve. It's not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get sent to Canada? Yes, I went up there in 2015. Okay, there's a um, there's at least 300 some, uh, like American, like Forest Service, BLM, whatever, up there currently. Yeah, on what, the fires now in Ottawa. Yeah, or, yeah, in BC and Alberta and everywhere. Yeah. Now let's to kind of bring this to close and wrap this up. Um, what are the what are the learnings that you had from the Caldor? And maybe some of the learnings beyond just the Caldor, but like kind of bigger picture about fire, about your role um, and the state. I mean, we all know we're in a climate change mode where, you know, the landscape is changing. But what are the what are the most important learnings you brought out of the Caldor and and bigger picture beyond just the Caldor with fire? Yeah, so I'll... um... I'll go back to that uh, the, that cabin because it like so I leave here and go up there and that fire made like a seven mile down canyon run and like mm-hmm. nuked everything off like mm-hmm. s- like zero trees left. This was an east wind that it was it blowing it, down canyon so um, east it's to west real unstable atmosphere and some wind yeah. so it like had plenty of ventilation and it ran mm-hmm. so like leave Tahoe on kind of like a high like everyone not just me like help save town like all the local engines yeah. mm-hmm. all the local forest service engines all the local fire departments it, like it, the local hotshot crews like it was a win yeah we all got after it and like we won the, like this little chunk of the fire but then like still lots of fire all over the state all over the country so like i go up there and it's just like epic decimation like um pick up um whatever like godson's uncle and go in and his property is just gone nothing like melted shipping containers like wow. watered green grass like i helped them set up pumps and sprinklers we watered for weeks and like not a pine needle on any of his 200 acres just a gut punch of total total loss yes oh, and then like couldn't even get to the cabin because there's like burned trees in the way and like um so like epic decimation can't do anything sleeve and go join the crew the next day and go fight fire in like southern oregon it was like like very stark stark contrast and then like like over the last couple years i've been there like a handful of times like i had to go up there and drag an excavator in and the whole hillside like washed off into the cabin and like gotta dig all the like sand and the breeze off the cabin and like in hindsight like the cabin barely made it like um the um uncle like went to go start the pump and like flooded the carburetor couldn't get the pump started so like there's no sprinklers um and the um like there's like 10 trees left around the cabin and then like everything else is like fully raging crown fire like all the way around it was only the trees and we like next to the sprinklers that got watered for like weeks 
that survived. That, like had enough moisture, had enough moisture on the ground, but still like big old stumps next to the cabin, like burnt, like windows broke. There's like a burn hole in the deck. There's like the cabins full of ash. What kind of roof does it have? Metal? Metal roof, but it's like, like it's old, like proper built, like milled cabin, like not from a, not from Home Depot. Like Dimensional really, thick timbers. Yeah. yeah, yeah really cool. Heat. Can we withstand heat? Yeah. But that like siding's old and cracked and, so I mean, this cabin didn't burn. Just it sounds like kind of luck. Kind of luck. Yeah, it's like, like I worked on it for weeks, getting yeah. it ready, and like, and like the sprinkler on the deck, like kept it like so when the deck burnt, like it it like put itself out. Like it, it's like a lot of work by me, but also like just a miracle. Like yeah, um, but without the watering, it for sure would have burnt. Yeah, yeah. Like, without, like, one little mm. detail of, like, doing all the structure prep. Like, if I didn't rake the pine needles from underneath the deck, it would have burned. If right. I didn't, like... Right. Yeah. So, it, and you're trying to keep a corridor, what, like, a 50 to 100 feet from the nearest... I mean, well, I don't know how close... There, it sounds like those trees are pretty close to the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what kind of a defensible space are you generally trying to keep around the cabin? Or... Well, like all the trees were limbed to like twenty feet. Yeah. Like there's no yeah. brush. Like I raked the pine needles. Like there's no little trees. So it's yeah. um, big trees with like no fuel in them don't really burn. But this thing was like raging, raging hot. Right. So then like it just gets in this like weird conflicting thing and like um, just dealing with the aftermath. Like contractor comes in and like cuts like we wanted to save all the trees and mill them and do things and like rebuild the bunk houses that burn and rebuild like all the like all the sheds that burn all sorts of stuff and like contractors take the trees like yeah like fine print some contract like so it's like all this this like like gut punch after gut punch after gut punch and it's just like so it's like very contrasting the two fires the two operations like in, in summary, like, what are the things you kind of want to close with in, in, in these thoughts that, you know, we've been sharing today about fire and your, and your role? Yeah, we're, we're just as federal firefighters, forestry technicians, grain technician, we're just like on the precipice of like, we had a little bit of pay bump with the infrastructure bill, but there's only like two years of funding and it's like running out in September. Yeah. Of this year. Of this year. Um, so like we're gonna go back to like really low wages and then like all this stuff gets more complicated. Like I'm a professional, I don't devote my life to this, but then like like I like I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills this winter. Like Is there a point at which you're just gonna have to bail on this and get a job that actually pays a, a living wage? I might have to. Like yeah. if this doesn't work out, like it's yeah. gonna be really hard. Yeah. Um Yeah, so like like there's a bill, the Tim Hart Act was a smoke jumper that like, um, like passed away in 2021. Like we we're on in that fire in New Mexico, we could hear an air attack and all the like radio traffic of him like getting hurt on a fire just over the ridge from us. Um, and it's a bill introduced in the Congress to like, like classify us as firefighters, get us like mental health programs, um, get us like quality pay um yeah so the grassroots wildland firefighter foundation 
um, is organizing a bunch of stuff. You can go to their website, read all sorts of information there on like um, all the backstories of like what we deal with as firefighters on a regular basis. That's a good shout out. Yeah. What's the organization? Uh, the Grassroots Wildland Firefighter uh, Foundation. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, we'll make sure we how, like that. How one. has your mental health been through all of this? Um, I had like a big mental health like thing like four years ago. So I've kind of like figured out my path and how to deal with it. Um, not to say like, like, like it's just chaos like every year. Mm -hmm. Like we finished this year, the next very next fire the next year we're in New Mexico and just like ring firing houses for days. Like, like all this chaos, like there's no other place to put the line. There's no other ridge. There's no other like farther option it's just like we burn this ridge down the hill and like you can see the whole community down there and like 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 getting your butt kicked every day it's That's like the caldor with like a quarter of the resources do you guys um do firefighters have a, a lot of uh commonality with with soldiers i don't quite like making that like distinction um I like work with all sorts of veterans that like yeah. I, I'm lacking the correct words to like describe it, but just like lots of veterans seem very real things. Yeah. But that doesn't like, that doesn't take away of just like all the stress we're under doing this job, yeah. like all the time. Like, yeah. Like all those fires that like ripped off in like Northern California at the same time, like just watching this, like, crazy video of um like little fire out east antelope fire and like probably doesn't like no one knows about it and like all these resources kind of got like burned over like had to drive through crazy flame fronts like like driving their fire engine through the woods to get around at like tenders that are broken and like all this crazy operation and like tender operators like like they're tenders broken and they're like literally beating the radio onto the like the window of the engine and it's like so noisy and chaotic they don't know the guys there wow so it's like like all sorts of people all sorts of locations are like getting affected by this literally exactly. like whatever you want to talk that the campfire the car fire that like this the that the like yeah also, like, like the little teeny fires, like, out in the middle of nowhere, but, like, knowing you don't put it out, like, town's right there, like. Yeah. So, it, it puts a lot, like, it puts a lot of extra risk on us that, like, didn't exist seven years ago. It's been that, that recent that that's yeah. all happened. Well, like, when I started, we'd, like, it was pretty abnormal to go to a 100,000-acre fire, it was pretty abnormal to go to like a big fire. We went to lots of 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 right. acre fires. And for perspective, the Calder fire was 200 and something thousand acres yeah. and it cost $1.2 billion. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this up is like, um, like I want people to like learn about fire ecology in the Sierra Nevadas. Like very few people that no one knows what a good looking forest in california like what it should if, look like right yeah so like we should have fire 
in most of our pine forest every like seven to like 50 years whether you're doing like might be seven here in south lake and it might be like 50 in the higher elevations of that stuff like in sierra tahoe and like might be off by a little bit but like real close so we're between fire suppression of like putting all the fires out and not letting anything burn logging yep. and like all the human influence like smoking our forest the bear. Sm- I, I always said yep. that smoking the bear was the worst thing that happened to our forest yeah like stopping fire for all those years was yep. that but it's kind of got it got yep. us to where we are now so we're like like 30 times over what we like should have fire and like we should have had like multiple multiple fires over the last 120 years since so, like fire suppression the like yeah. like slowly burn gets like kind of like good fire back on the landscape and we've skipped all that then like logging has screwed it all up so we have we don't have any big trees that are like well spaced we have like lots and lots of little trees that are really close together so it's like all screwed up so like we have to do tons of fuels work to get it to like a good point to where you can burn and then we got to like burn everything like we live in the sierra nevadas we should have fire we should have smoke in the air all the time we just had a bunch of lightning we just put a bunch of lightning fires out so it's like it's a it's a very nuanced complicated issue but like we yeah. have to get more fire back on the landscape on years like this year where it's wet and it's like unlikely to do big de- like damage and decimation versus like like letting fires burn in 20 and 21 is like silly it's like high-end drought it's the hottest like it's yeah. driest like it's not a good time to let fires burn so there's like a, a ton of variables there's a ton of nuance in this um but like like ask the uh listeners to like like learn about fire ecology understand that like our forest is supposed to burn yep. lightly on a regular basis and we should be encouraging prescribed fire as much as we can um the native americans burned so um they would burn uh four to 12 million acres a year wow here in california in california on an annual basis on an annual basis back in the day on a wednesday yeah so two to 10 million acres more than 2021 wow yeah so like again there's like a bunch of nuance in there like a lot of grasslands down the valley you can get a lot of good acres done um so kurt i I remember last year we were talking and you had mentioned that if you had if you go back and read some of the old journal entries from some of the first explorers of california they they talk a lot about the fire on the landscape there was smoke in the air for three months there was smoke they they mentioned that they're like it's all summer it was a part of it was a part of summer yeah no a lot of people are like oh my gosh you know it's so smoky anymore it's like i can't handle this like i'm gonna move and it's like this is not unprecedented. Like this happened regularly in the in, yep. during the gold rush era and in the yep. times before firefighting existed. When a fire lit off from lightning, like just they just let it burn out. Yeah. So this is not a new thing. We just like you mentioned, you know, after the great fire of what is it, 1908 or something, where all like Washington and Idaho and it all burned and killed like thousands of people. That was the beginning of fire suppression with the federal government and Smokey the Bear. That is what started the hundred plus years of, of fire suppression. suppression. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, for sure. So like the, the Native Americans like managed the landscape. Yeah. A, like better than we, <laughs> than oh, we do. Way, oh, yeah, way better for way sure better. Yeah. 
Because they, I mean, they needed it for hunting grounds, right? I mean, it was like, you couldn't, you can't hunt through, imagine a Native American trying to hunt through the forest that we're looking at now. You can't even walk through some of these forests. They're so thick. Exactly. So they would go in and try and hunt and the hunting was bad because there'd be like too many logs, too much stuff on the ground. Like the, the grass is too old. It's not like healthy enough. Like, um, so they'd like light the canyon on the way out and come back another year. They also did like. Lots, like, all of our meadows are all getting encroached between, like, willows and fir trees, like, approaching all, encroaching all the meadows. Like, the Native Americans burn those things on a regular. And, like, to a degree that's, like, me as a professional firefighter, like, like just barely has a grasp on, like, the, just, like, you wait for the perfect time in the fall. And, like, the grass has been cured out by, the like, the, the cold air. You get a little bit of snow, like the meadows out in the sun, you can just like crank it off, just like light it with the wind. Let it go. Let it go, burn out all the willows, burn out all the, the pine trees. And then you could, then you have nice grass for hunting, you have nice like younger willows to make better baskets. Um, like really intricate process that they... So that, that whole process sort of ended just over a hundred years ago then probably late, late 18, the, 1880s. Like the day this California started, they banned then that Indians was burning. The day that we became a state. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, Todd, this is a topic. Um, I mean, we could, yeah, we could, could keep going hours on this about one. this and I would like to, um, I'm sure in future episodes, we're going to be talking about, because, you know, we talk about public lands, we talk about recreation. I mean, there's a whole discussion I want to have. We won't have time for it today, but just like how uh, moving forward, integrating recreation with landscape management is like super important to the future of both like, you know, fire suppression and for future recreation and recreation development in rural communities. Um, but, you know, the topic today that that we've covered, man, is is really fascinating. We're... Um, I think everyone can speak, especially here in South Lake, um, in unanimous, unanimously in appreciation of your effort and what you um, and your colleagues did to say, help save South Lake. Um, it's an incredible story, and we're you know everyone here is indebted to um, your dedication and and uh, your lack of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I do want to emphasize that, like, I'm, I'm just like one little part in the sure. whole machine. That, like, sure, that yeah, but to you're, save an Tahoe. <laughs> you're 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 the little part that ripped around on a dirt bike. To, yeah, to, right, to, exactly. To, to, to save the town, so that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's a good story. Yeah, it, it, I do want to ask one thing, Kirby. You you did bring up the the mental health aspect of what you, you sort of have you know been dealing with the last ten years, and I think that that's something that. I want to lean into a little bit on this show is because we, we talk about the power of trail and the power of single track and the power of putting your mind in the track. It's something that we do ask our guests, but I, I almost want to turn it a little bit and ask you about it, whether you getting out on your bike or you getting out on your backcountry skis is, is like, what does that mean to you in terms of dealing with the stress in your life as a firefighter? And do you, is that something that you, that, that, that you feel helps you? And is it something that you sort of, turn to when in, in, in times when you want to get out and sort of escape the stress of your life for sure absolutely it's yeah. like imperative talk talk it's to like, us a little bit about that um yeah like a mountain bike like a crazy person in the fall and the winter like 
everyone else has mountain biked all summer and I've barely touched my bike. Okay. So, um, when yeah. you get that opportunity, you're out the door just yeah. charging miles. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't think I was that good at it until I go right with people, but it, like, I'm really good at like mountain biking on snow and ice. <laughs> that's which is something i'm not good at that that is a skill i'm not good at. don't touch your front brake that's yeah. rule number one yeah don't touch your front brake but you could you can push in the snow berms like pretty hard depending on like just how it looks as long as it's not shiny like you can go pretty that's a good pro tip yeah but so it, i i just that's something that i'm aware of is that the the single track and the skin track is just a place that is so essential to my mental health and I, it's, it's interesting to, to hear that someone from, from your world, from a firefighter, you know, I'm, I work in restaurants and that's, that's a stressful environment, not as stressful as fighting fire, but it, I still deal with my stress in that way. And I think it's pretty neat to see that someone from a completely different world deals with stress in a very similar fa fashion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I try and get out a ton, especially like right after the season. It's just like a lot of decompressing and like, especially like big, like, I'm still digesting like that year. Yeah, it seems like you are. Yeah, for and sure. Sort of, sort of yep. you know, putting putting it all together yep. and figuring it out yep. and sorting out your feelings about it. Yeah, and then and, like going seeing family like up there, their cabin and just like how they're dealing with it and like progressing and yeah. like. Yep. Do you find that you think about a lot of that while you're riding or or, or touring? Quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on that topic. To close, uh, yeah. mind the tracks. So the title, you know, our show is called Mind the Track. When you hear that term, what do you think of or what comes to mind? So, we got two answers to that. So, I got a, like a simple one of just like when you're out riding your bike and you see like water running down the trail, like to me, it's like hop off your bike and like try and fix it. Like, Thanks. that's you, a good one. That's you can a, do like yeah. erosion control work with a stick. Totally. Like all the time, but like everyone will just ride straight through it and like screw up the trail. Yep. Um, it's so, so it's, easy to get off your bike and save, save the riparian. Yes. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Or th throw a stick out of the way or move a log out of the way or like something. That's the first PSA we've had, I think, for mind the track. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's the simple answer. And then like the complicated one is just like mind the track of like the path your life is on and like whether you're giving your nerves yourself like enough time to like be on the skin track or out mountain biking that okay. you're not too busy too like partying too hard this that and another like you actually have time for yourself finding and, like, that balance yeah yeah good answers love todd love it well todd woodward we're again thanks for coming on the show uh we really appreciate your insights and all your ex expertise and knowledge and experience and uh, I, I have a feeling we'll be having you on again in the future when we when we have more fire topic to discuss. It'd be great to get more um, for knowledge sure. from you. So thanks for being thanks, on the buddy. show. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 12 of Mind the Track with our special guest, Todd Woodward. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track. <laughs>